and this is Changing the Narrative. I'm your host, David Reeves, and our goal is to change the narrative. We have been spoon-fed an atheistic agenda in the media, in the public school systems, all over the world. For the last several hundred years, we have been spoon-fed this agenda that has basically set civilization on a path of destruction, set civilization on a path away from God, and ultimately away from the idea that we have a Savior that is Jesus Christ. With me today is Joe Hubbard, Indiana Joe from the mm -hmm. UK. Uh, you flew in a couple of weeks ago, and you've been doing some traveling. Yeah, I've been traveling around. We come over to the States sort of twice a year and spend uh, a few years traveling around, speaking at churches, coming and visiting you, and uh, doing some research as well, because... Um, I'm sort of one of the directors of creation research. Okay. So it's uh, research is a big part of the ministry, but it is a ministry. It is mostly about Jesus Christ, and that's where it really needs to be. So. Amen. But but I would argue that in ministry, if we're actually going to tell people about Jesus Christ, we have to remove some of those. Obviously, it's the Holy Spirit that has to ultimately do of the course, work. Yeah, yeah. But we need to be removing stumbling blocks. Yeah. And one of the big stumbling blocks just so happens to deal with the issue of origins. Yeah, well, it's also a question of who is this Jesus Christ? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to tell people about Jesus, who is he and what has he done? Yeah. Um, and a big part of who he is is the creator. Because yeah. it talks about that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New. Right? So our kind of motto for creation research, I've just got my Bible here, it's um, uh, Isaiah 41 verse 20 and it says uh, that they may see and they may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this the Holy One of Israel has created it mm. right when we're asking this question of who is God yeah. and who is Jesus Christ and what has he done well you can walk down the streets of Baghdad and shout out God created the heavens and the earth right and they'll give you a pat on the back mm -hmm. but if you walk down and say the Holy One of Israel has created it <laughs> doesn't go quite as well right <laughs> well who is the Holy One of Israel it's mm. Jesus Christ it's right it's yeah. Jesus the promised seed right. uh, that came so a big part of who Jesus Christ is is the creator that's why he's the last Adam right it only makes sense yeah, only that makes our sense. Redeemer must have been our creator because then he would have the right to also exactly, redeem us yeah oh yeah you go I mean you, you talk about the Redeemer law in Leviticus right uh -huh. and it's the kinship law as well yeah if you have to be related to the person that you're trying to redeem mm -hmm. um, and the Bible is explicitly clear that only descendants of Adam can be saved yeah. so really when you look at the chronology I mean the so-and-so beget so-and-so beget so-and-so beget and then you fall asleep right <laughs> it's there to prove who Jesus Christ is that's what the chronologies and the genealogies are there in uh, in in, in Matthew and in Luke, right. Matthew is to prove that Jesus is legitimately Israel's king. Yes. Luke is to prove that Jesus is legitimately descended from Adam. Right. Right. They're there for specific reasons to prove the legitimacy of Jesus Christ. Now, that's what you can base your dating systems on, right, for the age of the earth and stuff, because it, is. it also is an interesting little connection in, uh, in Ezra, right? So Ezra establishing the priesthood. Mm -hmm. after the time of captivity in Babylon. The Persian Empire has allowed them to go back into Israel. Nehemiah obviously builds the walls. Mm -hmm. Ezra establishes the priesthood. But it records in the book of Ezra, uh, Ezra that there's um, these two or three people that come and they're missing their grandfather's birth certificate, right? They've mm -hmm. lost the proof that they belong to the priesthood just mm -hmm. by one generation. And it says in the book of Ezra that as defiled, they were cast out of the priesthood. Mm. 
Now, this is how seriously God takes legitimacy, yes. right? These people lost their proof that they could genuinely, legitimately be part of the priesthood during their time in captivity. One generation. Uh-huh. And as the result, they were thrown out of the priesthood. Yeah. How much more important is it for our great high priest, who's Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. to prove who he is? Right? That's the whole point of Hebrews. Jesus is legitimately our king, our creator, and our saviour and our saviour and that's all about who he is i mean it even starts that in hebrews right god who at times past has spoken to us by the prophet in these days Mm -hmm. these last days has spoken to us through the son by whom he also made the worlds so it all comes back to jesus christ as our creator and then even jesus gave us all of the evidence we should need when when he said you know moses was writing about me yeah. If you can't believe his writings, why would you yeah. believe anything I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just like, wait a second. Moses is in the Old Testament. He's writing about Jesus? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he wrote about the Creator, right? And, and that promised seed. Exactly. Back in Genesis. And it's it's interesting because, you know, that, that whole, you know, story, that the account of uh, the rich man Lazarus, yeah. right, which is told as an account— it's not given as a parable it's told as an account and jesus is telling this account of this rich man who dies and lazarus and they go to hades the place of the dead one's in paradise one's in torment right mm-hmm. and the rich man is begging abraham let me go back because mm-hmm. if these people see me rise from the dead if my family see me rise from the dead then they'll believe yeah and abraham yeah. jesus says if they don't believe moses and the prophets yeah. then they're not going to believe me flip that on its head if you can trust moses and the prophets yeah you have no issue at all believing in jesus because if you believe that jesus created the heavens and the earth in six days you should have no problem believing that he turned water into wine correct right if you believe that jesus gave the promise that he would come yeah. in the beginning when man fell yeah then you should have no promise, uh, no trouble realizing that that promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ Himself, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. So, how does this apply to? <clears throat> a lot of times today, we like to say, "Oh, well, you know, the we're New Testament Christians. The Old mm-hmm. Testament simply doesn't matter." Yeah. Well, um, look at what Jesus did, yeah. and look at what Paul did. Yeah. All right. Um, so much of the New Testament, particularly Paul's writings, mm-hmm. is quoting. The Old Testament, Testament. right? In fact, that's the point that Paul makes. The Old Testament is there not just to prove who Jesus is, but it's there to teach us why we need a saviour. Right. right? The first five books of the Bible are regarded as the Torah or the law. And the Bible says the law is there to condemn. Uh That's what Paul says, right? The Mm -hmm. law is there to say, David Reeves, you are a dirty, rotten sinner and you need a (laughs) saviour. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner and Mm -hmm. I need a saviour, right? I mean, think about it. Think about what Jesus said to the rich young ruler, right? Rich young ruler comes along and he says, good master, good teacher, Mm -hmm. what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Now, (laughs) there's two important points here. See, Jesus is making the point that actually hang on a minute unless you're calling me god you've got a problem here because mm-hmm. there is none good by god mm-hmm. now the young man was actually justified in calling jesus good master yeah. but that wasn't what he was getting at yeah. uh, the point that jesus was making is that you are no good mm-hmm. and if the rich young ruler was no good that means i'm no good that means you're no good right that means the only one who is good is god and that's, that's why it takes a good savior all have sinned and come all short have of the glory. sinned and fallen short of the glory of god also um 
take the, the 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 big perspective i mean you see all down throughout the the new testament that jesus and paul quote from the old testament yep. to give the big perspective i mean it starts with creation the gospel starts with creation in the beginning was the word and the word was yep. with god all things were made by the word and without the word nothing was made that was made That's john it. chapter 1 john chapter verse 14 the word became flesh and dwelt among us the word became flesh, flesh. And the Word created everything. And the Word created everything. The Who Word is, is Jesus Christ, exactly. right? Um, Colossians one sixteen: All things were made by, by Christ him. and for Christ, and it's in Christ yeah. that all things consist. Present tense, yeah. right? So yeah. it's not just the fact that He's the Creator and the Savior; He's our Sustainer as well. Yeah. Now, when you start looking at this as the Word of the Lord, that becomes interesting because you go through the Old Testament; the Word of the Lord is fairly active right. right the word of the lord does a lot of stuff yeah. you think about the uh, the feeding of the hundred men in two uh, two kings chapter four yeah. right the feeding of the hundred men this man comes from baal shalisha brings the man of god the prophet elisha uh, bread of the first fruits elisha says give them to the hundred men that they may eat mm -hmm. and it will be so according to the word of the lord mm -hmm. now feeding a hundred men with some loaves of bread and mm -hmm. some newly ripened grain in his knapsack sounds a bit similar to the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah, exactly. We shouldn't be surprised because it's the same word at work here. Yeah. It's the word of the Lord, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that same word who in the beginning formed a universe mm. from nothing mm. also has the power in the New Testament be raised from the dead to yeah. turn water into wine to do to do all of these you say they're miracles hmm. well yeah they're miracles because they go beyond the natural world but the originator the designer of the natural world had to work supernaturally in order to create nature so yes he can work outside yeah. of that and you know you look at what jesus said himself he said he didn't come to replace the law right he didn't come to replace the old testament no he came to god forbid it, it says yeah. but to fulfill. he came to fulfill it yeah. now if you're going to be a new testament christian it's a bit like trying to swim in water without a pool there to hold it in place right <laughs> yeah. jesus came to fulfill the old testament to fulfill the law right man sinned and as a result adam and eve should have died yeah. that was the promise yeah. why didn't they die well, they didn't die because God killed another animal and clothed them with its skins, right? He this is the blood. whole principle, the shedding of blood, uh -huh. right, for the perpetuation of sins. But what the blood of bulls and goats could never provide, yeah. our ultimate sacrifice, exactly. the spotless lamb, did. Exactly, because ultimately Adam and Eve did die. Right. They prolonged their death by sacrificing yeah. and a blood sacrifice is what is needed mm -hmm. and all down throughout the Old Testament, it's the blood sacrifice. I mean, you read about the account of Hezekiah and the right. amount of bulls and stuff he was killing right it ran blood yeah because without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins right. because the life is in the blood i mean the connections you make when you read through scripture is just beyond because you get the law of the shedding of blood at the beginning yeah. you have the laws about blood uh, at the time of noah's and the mm -hmm. covenant that god made with noah and the whole of humanity then you get all the law about blood and the shedding of blood mm -hmm. down throughout the levitical laws and deuteronomy and yep. then you come to the conclusion that you need Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, th think about it, right? I mean, Moses, he goes up to, um, you know, Mount Sinai. Uh, God comes and physically writes with his hand the mm -hmm. Ten Commandments, including the section 
which is physically written by God that says, I made the world in six days, right? right? Okay. <laughs> Thus, uh, in six days, the heavens and the earth exactly. were made. Moses comes down, and the children of Israel are worshipping a baby cow. Right. And Moses breaks all Ten Commandments at once, <laughs> throws them on the ground, right? <laughs> and what does he do? He goes back to God, and he says, God, do not blame yeah. the children yeah. of Israel. Do not pour out your punishment on them. Mm -hmm. Take me instead. Yeah. And that is an amazing sacrifice from mm -hmm. Moses to be willing to take the punishment for somebody else's sin. Uh -huh. The problem was that God had to reject that offer as generous and unselfish as it was mm -hmm. because Moses was already a sinner. Yeah. He'd already killed a man. Right. He'd already been told to speak to a rock and he hit it. And, he didn't. and as a result, he'd already disobeyed the world of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So Moses could take the punishment for nobody's sin other than himself. It takes someone right? perfect. It takes someone perfect because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory right. of God. Um, the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. So we don't die because we get old. Right. We die because we're sinners. Mm -hmm. We get old because we're sinners. We get old because we, of that sin curse. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but you look at Moses when he died, right? He struck the rock when he was told to speak to the rock. And as a result, God said, you won't see the promised land. Yeah. Or you won't enter the promised land. Enter the promise. He got to see it because yeah. God took him up to the mountain. The mountain. Oh. And it describes what Moses was like. It says that his eyesight was good. Mm -hmm. I'm 25 years old. I've got glasses and all sorts. <laughs> you know. It says Moses was 120. His eyesight was good. And it says that his natural vigor was not diminished in any way. Wow. And yet he died. Yeah. Why did he die? Because he was a sinner. That's right. So if Moses as a sinner cannot take the punishment from anybody, anybody's sin other than his own, yeah. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory mm. of God, Romans 3.23. The wages of sin is death, yeah. Romans 6.23. Therefore, all die because all sin. Mm -hmm. So how would we get out of it? <laughs> well, if the word who became flesh and dwelt among us mm -hmm. lived life as a man, mm -hmm. but never sinned, yet was put on a cross and crucified, mm -hmm. he can't be dying for his own sin. Yes. He must be dying for somebody else's sin. And that's why it says that God, Jesus, became sin for, for us, us because he took that punishment on the cross. And so all of a sudden the connections start coming together. The creator, sustainer, yep. savior, and coming king. And all of this is tying every bit of the Bible together. I tell people all the time when I speak in churches and, and uh, conferences, you know, I'll, I'll flip to the New Testament. I'm like, well, we, we read the Gospels mm. right through here, mm. right? We read of Jesus Christ, and you've got future prophetic events right through here. Uh, in fact, you've got the history of the world, okay, plus the future. But where does it start? It's all resting right there. On Genesis, yeah. On Genesis. And if we were to remove... The first verse of Genesis, there's nothing to support the rest of history. Yeah. It's all tied together. It, and, and it's tied together from the beginning because um, I like to be provocative in church sometimes. <laughs> and I like to get, I like to say to the congregation, yeah. hands up who's made in the image of God. Uh -huh. Hands fly up around the room. And then I tell them, no, you're not. And everybody goes, oh, and the pastor goes, oh, uh -oh. what kind of heretic have I invited yeah, yeah, yeah. into my church? And then I get them to read uh, Genesis chapter 5, right, mm -hmm. or the first part of Genesis chapter mm -hmm. 5, because it starts at the beginning. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man... 
bear in mind Jesus said that he created them male and female from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we are talking about the beginning here. Mm -hmm. In the day that God created man, in the beginning, he made him in the likeness of God. Mm -hmm. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Mm -hmm. And Adam lived to 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. (laughs) Okay, so we have the beginning. In the beginning, God created man. Mm-hmm. from the beginning yeah. not millions of years after the right. beginning but from the beginning just like Jesus said he did mm-hmm. he created the male and female mm-hmm. which is of course controversial in this day and age but he blessed them and called them mankind and they were made in the image and the likeness of God mm-hmm. God is good because there is none good but God now right, right? so if God was good mm-hmm. and God made the male and female in his image Adam and Eve were very, very good. good that's what it says in the end Lord. of yeah it says yeah. at the end of genesis uh one genesis one thirty one. everything including mankind was very good mm-hmm. adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his, in own, his likeness, own likeness after his image and named him seth mm-hmm. now at this point in time was adam very good Sin had already sinned. entered the exactly. And right. it says that in Romans, it says that by one man sin entered the world mm-hmm. and death through sin, right? Mm-hmm. So Eve was deceived. Adam willfully chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He chose his wife instead of God, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin had entered the world. Yeah. Now, he was originally created in the image of God. Right. So he had that inheritance, right. but now the image was no longer perfect. Hmm. It was a marred and a corrupted image. 130 odd years later, Adam has a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now that is a extremely important Bible verse because it sets up the need for salvation. Seth was made not in the perfect image of God, but in the sinful image of his father. Hmm. Right? So yeah. everyone alive today, me included, I'm not made in the perfect image of God. Right. I'm made in the sinful image of my father. <laughs> and he's made in the sinful image of his father and his father and his father all the way back to Adam, who was originally made in the perfect image of God. And we all have that inheritance, and that's extremely important sure. to hold on to. Sure. But that's why we need a savior. But it's not perfect. It's not a perfect image. And it's not perfect because of Adam's sin, which set a whole slew of things in mm-hmm. motion. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned this a little earlier. You're like, okay, Moses is 120. He's standing on top of the mountain. His eyesight's still not dim. He's looking down at the promised land. He knows he's not going to be entering the promised land. But he's, yeah. but he's like, but I'm still healthy. I could, I could, I could, you know, I could almost do it, you know. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what what we see is that there are very few people who live beyond a hundred yeah. years oh, yeah. today. Yeah, that's because of genetic entropy. Yeah. Things are getting progressively worse and worse. Even with the advances of technology, even with the medical breakthroughs that we've come up with, we still have a have trouble uh, surpassing 100 years. Mm-hmm. You know, on average, much less than 100 years. And to me, what that says is that evolution would seem to indicate that creatures get more robust, more fit, better the more time that passes. What yeah. we've seen is the more time that passes, things are getting progressively worse. If you look at the origin of the word evolution, yeah. it was first ever used in the 1700s as a military term. Okay. Right. So we will evolve our army and grab the enemy from the backside. Gotcha. Right? Yep. Is this idea of spiraling upwards. Yes. And Darwin took that concept because if you look at the old charts of evolution, they're depicted as a spiral yes. up through history. Yep. Right. It's this idea of progression. Mm-hmm. And for sure, if you want to turn a single celled amoeba, which is pretty complex in itself. Right. Yep. But if you want to turn that into a human being, 
that's a massive upward spiral. That's it an is. enormous amount of information to be added. That's an enormous climb upwards yeah. from microbes and molecules to up, 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 Fish up, to up, bird up, to ape to, to man, basically. Exactly. Yeah. The Bible describes exactly the opposite. The Bible says we were made in created perfection. Yeah. That everything was very, very good. good. Because of man's sin, the world changed from good to bad. Yeah. By the time you get down to Noah's flood, mm -hmm. you read that man's the you know the thought of man's heart was only evil continually. Mm -hmm. The world had got so bad that God judged the whole world with a global flood. Mm -hmm. Now that's going to do two things. Number one, it's going to wipe out a lot of creatures other than what went on the ark sure. right it's going to create a genetic bottleneck so that goes back to your genetic mm -hmm. entropy but the other thing it's going to do is it's going to cause immense climate change yeah because all of a sudden we have evidence from the fossil record right mm -hmm. that levels of oxygen and levels of carbon dioxide were a lot higher in the past yeah. we have a lot of evidence of this and so that's going to create a healthier atmosphere mm -hmm. we know that mm -hmm. we can do tests with that you can and experimentally so so this is this is real science yeah, this yeah, yeah, is yeah, observational so, yeah. empirical science and you can get that from the fossil record you can right. look at the fossil record and see that actually these plants and these creatures would not be able to survive in today's atmosphere yeah what atmosphere would it need to be much denser higher carbon dioxide higher oxygen mm -hmm. levels right a much healthier environment now that switches after the end of Noah's flood because mm -hmm. that's your first mechanism for major climate change yeah. and your world has gone from good to bad to worse to much worse yeah. right and then we find ourselves today yeah. in the wonder center in dickinson the world <laughs> has gone from good to bad to worse to dickinson right <laughs> it's just going downhill all the time right constantly and then if you also look at um you know like you said the ages adam lived yeah. to 930 yeah. methuselah lived to 969 these people were dying but they took a while to kill him off, right? It did. Off and off they go. And then you find Noah lives until he's in his 900s. But Shem, immediately after that. Yeah, Shem only lives till he's six, seven hundred. Uh -huh. He spends most of his life after the flood, even though he was born before the flood. Mm -hmm. He spends most of his life after his flood. Then you get to Abraham, who lives to 175, and he says, I'm not living anywhere near as long as my ancestors. Mm -hmm. Then Moses gets to 120, mm -hmm. And you and I are on the wrong side of Moses. Yeah. Right? And now, you know, it's rare to find somebody who reaches over 100. It's even rarer to find somebody who gets close to 120. So the world, everything we observe about the world tells us that the world has gone from good to bad to worse. Yes. Which isn't surprising given that that's what the Bible actually pictures. But it, that's not the end of the story. No. Because the Bible says good to bad to worse to glory. Yeah. A restored heavens and earth. New a heavens new and a new earth. Heavens and a new earth. Wherein dwells righteousness. And that's the thing is there's none righteous. No, not <laughs> one. And we have this promise because of our Savior, our Redeemer, mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. And yet so often we seem to forget that so often we seem to to end up focusing on something that is uh, striving towards science hmm. but really what is science science is observing the natural world around us and what does all good science show us it's showing increased complexity it's showing design it's showing irreducible complexity uh science is revealing order hmm. that simply We've never seen happen by chance processes. Well, if you um, go to your old King James Bible, yeah. which I love, yeah. go to um, 1 Timothy 6, verse yeah. 20. 
Paul is giving a warning to Timothy, and in this warning it says, "Beware of false science." Yeah. Science got false. And I like yeah. the um, I like the King James version because it uses the word science. Science is the old Greek word for knowledge. Right. Right. So beware of your false science. Yeah. Beware of your false knowledge, mm-hmm. because the warning is it will lead you astray. Yeah. True science will point you to Christ. It won't save you. No. But it's a big flashing beacon saying, there it is, there's Jesus Christ, there he's there, he's the way, right? True signs point you towards Christ. False signs will lead you astray. It will lead you away from Christ. Okay, so so people today say, well, why can Why do you focus so much time talking about this whole creation versus evolution debate? How could it it really be that harmful? Mm. You just hit the nail on the head right there. Mm. In and of itself, it seems harmless enough. Well, who cares? That false science will lead you down a slippery path that eventually leads you to believe that we are just highly evolved animals. Well, if we're just highly evolved animals, then the lion kills the gazelle, so what's the problem with me killing somebody else that I don't see as fit as me? Yeah, if you base your morality off of animals, you're not going to get very far at all, right? (laughs) I've worked with animals, I know, right? It's going to be pretty (laughs) awful. But also, going back to what you're saying about, you know, what's the, what's, why bother with this kind of stuff? The problem with churches that say we just need to focus on Jesus we want revival, but we just need to preach Jesus. Yeah. Well, again, it's the question of who is Jesus Christ, right? But take a look at two main events in Scripture, in mm. New Testament Scripture, right? Number one, the day of Pentecost. Yeah. Peter stands up and preaches to a load of Jews. Mm-hmm. The disciples are preaching in all the local languages, but to people who know the Torah, people yeah. who know the law, people who not only know about creation, they believe in creation. Mm-hmm. And what does he preach to them? You killed Christ. Yeah. He preaches Christ crucified excellent what happens huge revival praise the lord okay this is preaching to people that know the scriptures they already know they already believe in creation Mm -hmm. then come the apostle paul right peter's been raised up to 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 preach to the jews paul is raised up to preach to the gentiles okay the non-jews he goes to the pagan greeks Hey, we've spoken a little about the pagan Greeks <laughs> in this program before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to the pagan Greeks to, Mar- to, to Mars Hill. Yeah. He stands up, and what does he do? And overlook, by the way, he's he's on Mars Hill, mm-hmm. this gigantic rock mm-hmm. overlooking the Acropolis, mm-hmm. all of these pagan temples. Mm-hmm. Now, what does he do? He stands up, and first of all, he finds where these people are at. Yeah. He says, ah, there's an altar to the unknown god i'm going to use that uh-huh. he starts quoting greek literature at them now why is he quoting pagan greek literature because he's finding them where they're at but then what does he do he says let me tell you about this unknown god yeah. right yeah and he starts from creation yes god who made all things who made one blood who created all things in six days he starts with creation and then takes into the gospel now ask yourself this question what kind of world are we dealing with today are we dealing with a world where everybody knows the Bible, everybody believes in Genesis, everybody has well-versed in Scripture? No. no. We're dealing with the pagan Greek culture, a world which promotes evolution and atheistic thinking, right. a world that has been handed over to foolishness. So where do we need to do? We need to give the whole gospel. The whole That's gospel, right. the good news, starts in the beginning when you realize we're not here by accident. The good news becomes bad news when you realize we messed up, but that's what makes the good news so good, right? We have Jesus Christ. So it's a big picture, and it starts with creation, and it goes to Jesus, because that is who Jesus Christ is. You can't understand the good news without realizing there is bad news, and we need 
the good news, which is exactly. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Joe, thank you so much for being here right. and sharing. With, I mean, I, look, we could do this all oh, day. I know, we could just do <laughs> session after session. But, but yeah. what that means is uh, you got to come back across the pond really oh, soon. Oh, yes, we will do. We'll see you around. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on Changing the Narrative. I'm David Reeves. We'll see you next time.